official podcast of He Changed It. As always, I am Mike Chisholm. As always, I am excited to be here to have conversations uh, surrounding the topic of uh, men's mental wellness. You know, this, this He Changed It movement that's being built. I'm a broken record. If you've listened to two or three of these in a row, um, and, you know, holy cow, well done if you've listened to two or three of these in a row. Uh, what the heck? Um, but I'm going to keep saying the same thing. If you haven't downloaded the He Changed It app, what are you waiting for? It's available for whatever your persuasion in the Apple or in the Googles. You can download it wherever you like to, to whatever you like to. Uh, go to hechangedit.com for more information. If you like this program, this broadcast, if you think that we have got, got some good information here, please, the He Changed It overlords, love the metrics. They love when people subscribe. They love when people share. They love when people uh, promote what it is that we're doing. This is a startup turning into a movement, turning into a force of nature that will change the world. We are convinced of that. We are hell bent on that. And uh, just positive personal development. Let's Let's make the world a better place. Let's course correct where it needs to be. Let's grow where we need to grow. And let's take this thing and make it happen. Um, this is my favorite time of the week. I do a lot of cool things in my life that I really enjoy. But um, there aren't many things that I like doing more than this. I love having these conversations centered around uh, personal growth, especially in the area of, of, of where men are right now, uh, where we need to be and how we can get there. And today's guest is a guy who, I don't know, man, I call him a brother from another mother. Uh, he's literally on the other side of the planet. He's in Australia, but through the miracles of our wonderful, wonderful connectivity technology, we are able to, uh, to speak together and, and, and uh, iron sharpens iron. Man, am I ever sharpened by this guy. His name is Jem Fuller, J-E-M, Jem Fuller. Like I said, Australian, if you want, as soon as this podcast is over, go over and search Jem's TED Talk um, on conscious communication. Unbelievable 10 minutes of... <sighs> inspiration, uh, opening up the mind as to what is possible. And also at the same time, that sounds pretty whimsical, also common sense, conscious communication, uh, and anything else that Gem and I get into today are going to be the topics of today's episode of HeCast. Gem, thank you for taking time out of your busy day and helping me figure out the time zone difference and whatnot so we can make this happen. I know it's early where you are right now. Thank you very much for starting your day being on HeCast. Mike, what, what a way to start the day, dude. You have got me fired up already. Seriously, this is, this is the first cab off the rank for me. And yeah. I know today is just going to be wonderful because of the way it started with you. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, man. dude. I love, love your energy, man. This is great. Uh, you know, and and it's, it's a gift. Um, something that I, I know that I have is 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 this infectious energy. But it takes fuel to get it going. And 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 my rocket fuel energy today is going um, after looking at, um, at at your TED talk, the courses that you're building on conscious communication. Um, you know, I, I, as we we talked about in the brief time we talked before we hit the cameras. Um, right now, it's just after the Academy Awards that everyone's talking about Will Smith. And, and some of these things that are happening, I'm just thinking about conscious communication is something that our world, our entire world needs more than anything. Um, 
your TED yeah, talk. There's a funny, there's a funny story behind that. I've, I've got to share this with Let's you. Do it. I, was, Let's I do wasn't it. going to talk about it, but it's, it's just too funny. <laughs> so my publisher got my book selected into a gift hamper that got delivered to all the Oscar nominees a week ago. Right. So my book is sitting in Will Smith's lounge room. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, over the last week, I've been doing a little visualization going, you know, Will's a dude. It'd be great if you read my book. No. And, and, and if he liked it and he went, hey, man, read my book. So a friend of mine rang me yesterday and he goes, man, the only thing that could have been better is if Will Smith went up and slapped Chris Rock with your book. <laughs> and I, anyway, funny, funny story. Making, I'm making a joke out of something that's not so funny. And I know lots of people are upset about, but I do believe that if we can't laugh, we're going to cry. And a bit of a bit of humor where we can yeah. find it is a good thing, right? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I mean, I, I just I, I spoke with a few people yesterday after watching the backlash of, of what was happening on both sides, you know, or yeah, maybe yeah. more than both sides. It's we're three dimensional here. There's a bunch yeah. of sides uh, yeah. uh, to what happened with this. But uh, but I look at this and I go, OK, um, there was a group of people who 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 immediately were talking about toxic masculinity. Um, yeah. There was a group of people who were talking about um the idea of defending one's honor uh, a group of people talking about uh, uh, the outrage of 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 making fun of a, a of a of a biological condition a medical condition um yeah. you know and 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 there's a lot of people who were yelling yeah. and uh, i was sitting yeah. there listening i was listening there listening yeah. to what people were saying um yeah. Man, talk about a need for conscious communication. <laughs> Dude, you nailed it right there. You know, in, in all of this noise, I think the, the thing that we're, the, the, the fine point we're missing is to just ease up on your judgment of other people for a second. Just take a breath. Yeah. Right? You know, we're so quick to judge. And everyone, this is humans, right? Human beings. We're very, very opinionated. And, and even more than that, we identify with our opinions. Yes. Right. We, we create a sense of identity that yes. is meshed into our opinions, our ideology, our, our political standpoint. And we defend our sense of identity above and beyond anything else. We get really, really, if we're not physically violent, we get uh, emotionally or linguistically violent to defend our sense of identity. And we've identified with an idea. Yes. And, you know, I think there's so much to be said for us practicing to pause and take a breath and go how he is not me. And he's, he is completely entitled to be him as much as I'm entitled to be me or her or whoever. And yes. I'm just going to, I'm just going to breathe for a second, let go of that little, that judgment just a bit. And just, yep. you know, like you said, listen, man, just listen a little bit. Yeah. I just, uh, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me how the world has shifted. Um, I'm 45 at the time of this broadcast and, and, and I just, think about how the world has shifted. You know, I think about when I was a kid and, and, and I would meet really religious people, yeah. you know, and, 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 and to each their own, no judgment, no anything. Right. But I would just see the, um, the fervor and how uh, Kevin Smith had a movie a, f uh, a few decades ago called dogma and, and Chris rock, who was in that movie actually right. had a, a line in that movie that said, you know, um, it's, it's okay to have ideas, but beliefs are trickier. Beliefs are yeah. things, it's trickier to change a belief than it is to change an idea. I just wish that yeah. we had more ideas. And, yeah. and, and that is where the world, it seems that people are taking whatever you're talking about, these ideas, wrapping up with their, their identity, as you just mentioned, yeah. 
yeah. and defending it the way that folks defend a religion almost. It's almost yeah. becoming a fervor. And yeah, and, it's and life and death to them. They, you know, because yes. when our when our ego, our sense of identity is defending itself to the ego, it is life and death. You know, if you're attacking my sense of identity to the ego, which is an illusion and made up anyway, yeah. it is it's like life and death. And it's it's actually not real death. I've had the death of ego twice in my life and I'm still here. Right. In fact, it was an opportunity to re-identify. It was an opportunity to have a look at, you know, how do I want to identify? What sort of a person do I want to be? How do when someone says, hi, who are you? What do I want to say to that? Right. You know, right. and so the death of ego, um, or as much as our identity is is super scared of that. Um, yeah, it's okay. You come out the other side. <laughs> it's all okay. Right. Uh, you talk about the death of ego. You've had said it, it's happened twice in your life. Um, your brother, is that, is that one of the moments or was that, um, was that unrelated no, to, those two, to those two times? No, that was, that was unrelated. You know, um, my brother who, by the way, loved Canada and, and was mm. living in Canada um, at the time of my, of my dad getting sick. That's, you know, you, you would have heard that in the Ted talk and yeah. he moved home from Canada and, and then, you know, very sadly died instantly on his motorbike four months after my dad died. Um, no, that, that wasn't an ego death, but it was leading. It was a part of one of the building blocks, you know, leading up to that. It was certainly the most painful, horrible experience I've ever been through to this day. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the, the first time I had an identity crisis, I was in my late 20s. I was living in London um, and everything that I'd identified with. So her partner, actor, singer, songwriter, all the things I'd identified with were gone. They weren't there anymore. Uh, and I really had forgotten who I thought I was. Um, and I'd been trying to etch out this, this personality. I, I was a very anti-establishment. Um, I was a punk. I'd been squatting in abandoned buildings in London and identifying with this. Um, can I swear on this podcast? Absolutely. It's a man's can, podcast. Say what you like. <laughs> so I'd identified with this fuck the system um, ideology. Right. The last thing I wanted to do was play into this bullshit system. I was, I was like I said, I was anti-establishment. Yeah. So I had, you know, dreadlocks and facial piercings and tattoos and, and you know, all this kind of thing. And I've been trying to create this sense of identity of who am I if I'm not, you know, the average Joe. Mm. And I lost who I was. I didn't know who I was because we identify with our vehicles, right? Our relationships and our career and our things. And, and all of that was gone. Yes. I got to the point where I had developed a stutter. I was speaking so quietly that people couldn't hear me. You know, if I got on the bus and asked for a bus ticket, the bus driver would be saying, sorry, what did you say? Because I was speaking so quietly. I was so unsure of myself. I would look in the mirror, Mike, and I just would see nonsensical ugliness. That's where I got to. Um, <clears throat> drugs were a part of this um, self-destructive equation, and it was all looking pretty dire. Uh, anyway, um, my sister turned up. She was she was my angel. She was traveling or working around Europe at the time. And she came and found me in London. And she was, hey, brother, you know, remember, you're here to save money to get back to India. This is back in the days when I had a love affair with with India and, and Southeast Asia. She said, remember, you were heading there to travel again. And so I kind of remembered what I was doing. And I got a, had enough money to get my ticket to India and then spend a year just wandering around India barefoot and reinventing. And it ended up becoming a remarkable year of, of flow. It was really quite incredible. I, I ran an experiment where I said, okay, if I don't know who I am and I've got no desire in what I want to do, um, I'm just going to run an experiment. I'm not going to have any design on the future at all. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to, when someone says, hi, 
who are you or what do you do? I'm just going to say nothing. <laughs> Maybe I'm just here, right, in this moment. And it was quite a, an extreme experiment to, to run, but it ended up being sublime, like the most stunning year of my life. The flow was incredible, you know. Wow. I mean, in, India is normally a place where you struggle to get anything done logistically, like you turn up to buy a ticket, it takes you six hours to buy a ticket. You get to the platform to wait for the train. You've just missed one. It takes four hours to get on the train. You try and get some money out of a bank. You've got to go to 10 banks and, you know, the red tape is thick, right? And yeah. when I was in flow, it was incredible, dude. It was the opposite. I like, I'd just walk up to the train station and the platform and the train would be just leaving as I stepped on it. It was just smooth. And I literally woke up each day. And if I felt like moving, I'd move. And if I felt like staying, I'd stay. Uh, and that was that. So then I, over this time of contemplation, I traveled on my own for over a year. Um, and in this time of traveling on my own, there was a lot of beautiful contemplation. Um, there might've been a little bit of smoking of hash, <laughs> <laughs> but there was a lot of contemplation and a lot of re-identification yeah. You know, that, so that was the first time. The second time was in my early forties and that was my midlife awakening. And uh, that wasn't as scary because I knew I was going to be okay, but it was an opportunity to re-identify. I did have to lose everything to do that. Lost my marriage, lost my career, lost my house, lost all my belongings. Thankfully kept my two boys, my kids. Yeah. Um, so I had my two boys. I had one surfboard and one guitar and that was it. Everything else was gone. Wow. Um, but that was an opportunity to re-identify as well. Anyway, you got me talking, dude. No, Look no, out. <laughs> no. This is important. This is really important. Um, um, as as the team, and I mean, our, our regular listeners um, will have heard me say this a few times, but uh, you know, uh, it's worth it's worth talking about again. And just like you know, I'm a big comic book fan. Stan Lee always used to say, you know what? Every comic is somebody's first comic. So for the folks who this is their first episode of He Cast, you're, you're hearing me say this for the first time. Uh, my wife and her team, as they're building, he changed it. They were looking for all the pain points that 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 men go through and 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 are going through. Um, you know, the silent lives of desperation because men don't talk about this shit. We just don't. Um, you know, we don't take uh, moments normally to 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 do nothing except exist in the present moment, uh, you know, have a little bit of pot, have a little bit of hash and contemplate everything and slow everything down to nothing because we live in a society where we're told how to connect the dots, what we need to do. And I've used yeah. this example so many times, you know, we, we, we get out of school and it's like, okay, get more educated or get a better job uh, or, or, you know, with good benefits, get the wife, the kids, all that stuff. And, and, and then suddenly, you know, guys find 20 years have gone by, they've connected the dots and they still don't know what their purpose is. They still don't know who they are. Um, yeah. And you, you talk about this, this uh, death of the ego. And I think that there's a lot of guys out there, myself included, you know, where I'm changing things, uh, you know, I'm, I've got a financial business, but suddenly this, this, this thrust of a life purpose of, of creating a movement that's going to grow worldwide and being a broadcaster and all these things. Yeah. And, and I feel alive. I, there wasn't yeah. bullshit in the intro. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now. And it's yeah. amazing. But yeah, there are yeah. so many guys that are so entrenched <laughs> into yeah. the dots that they have created. They feel like they have created those dots with um, irreversible ink. Well, we and, got and sold on it. We got sold on these ideas, didn't we? We got told yeah. that if we, you know, if you finish school and you get the best job you can get and you earn the money that you can get and then you build the shelter and that, um, that you're going to be happy. Yeah. So that, that's, that's meaningful. And it's not. No. I mean, it's survival. It's necessary. Of course, we need shelter, food and water. That's yes. 100%. That's yes. a given. But, but um, once you've got that, 
if you don't have any meaning or purpose behind what you're doing, it can lead to a really unhappy life. And like you said, men don't talk about their struggles. You know, I mean, I've got, I had my deepest, darkest secret. It was a secret torture for a long time. And I was so ashamed to tell anybody that I just kept it to myself, man. And it was, and I'm happy to talk about it now because when I talk about it, men say to me, oh my God, me too. I haven't told anyone about this, but I developed in my, in my marriage, the, the marriage that it ended. Yeah. I developed sexual anxiety to the point of not being able to perform. I would either prematurely ejaculate or I couldn't have an erection. I was yeah. impotent, but I would have, it got to the point over time, over years of me having anxiety attacks when we'd go to make love. Right. right. And you can imagine how upsetting and disappointing this is. And this wasn't just once or twice, man, this was for years. Yeah. And I did not tell anyone and my wife, my, my, my poor wife at the time, she didn't tell anyone either because we were both so embarrassed about it. We didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know how to break free from this psychological racket and it was destroying me. And I, and to the outside world, I was successful. I had a corporate job and I had the house and the white picket fence. And, and I was, yeah, man, I'm great to my best friends. I was bullshitting. Yep. And deep down inside, I was as destroyed and as sad as possible, but no one knew. And there are so many men suffering in their own version of this. It might not be sexual anxiety. It might be sure. depression or anxiety or whatever it is. But there yep. are men that suffer like this and don't tell anyone because we've been told that we shouldn't suck it up, man up. Don't cry like a girl. Can you believe we got told that as boys? You know, men still, parents still tell their boys this. Don't cry like a girl. That's the most ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, you know, but we get indoctrinated into this culture that doesn't allow for us to be functional. Yes, we're uh, you know, you and I haven't talked about this beforehand, and and it's 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 beautiful how organically it comes up. Our plan is to take back that phrase "man up." We're going to take it back and we're going to remix it. You know, the uh-huh. idea of manning up uh, is 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 it it can be a, a positive rallying cry, which is exactly what we want to do. You talk about conscious communication. You know, yeah. we want manning up to be. Um, no, I'm going to talk about what it is that I'm going yeah. through and I'm actually going to deal with what I'm going, I'm going to man up. I'm going to yeah. deal with whatever it is. Um, yeah. you know, I want to, before we move on to conscious communication and, 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 and moving over to what it is that you have, um, you, you found such a, a, a gold mine of, of, of knowledge and insight, and you're so poetic in the way that you can talk about it. Before we move there, I want to talk a little bit more about what you went through. Um, because, I mean, if there are guys who are sitting there, whatever it might be, you know, the number one pain point, by the way, um, that, that, that the He Changed It team realized uh, is kind of the, 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 the keystone of, of, of what guys are going through is loneliness. That is number one. And, yeah. and I, the person that you described, the person that the reality was not available to the family, to the mm. friends. Is it possible to be lonely when you have people around you? Absolutely it is. And, yeah, and, yeah, and completely. You right there uh, nailed it. Now, I mean, you can go as deep as you want into the specifics of it, or you can keep it general, but, but how did you find your way out of that situation? Was there a breaking point? Was there a rock bottom similar to when you were in London uh, with your, with your sister or, or like what, what facilitated um, getting unstuck? Yeah. Wow. What was the order of things? It, um, it got to the point after years of trying to fix it and, 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 fix it right yeah um and we couldn't 
you know, we, we couldn't. And I, I'm careful. The only reason I'm careful in my sharing is because there's another person's story involved. Absolutely. In this and that's her story to tell. Absolutely. Um, so I want to I want to be careful about that. We're not together anymore. We're actually we get along really well. We co-parent week on week off with our kids. So we're friends and we and we co-parent really well together. So that's a happy ending to that. And story. that's not a disclaimer, by the way, for our <laughs> listeners. That's a goal. If you because I mean, how many guys out there that are listening to this have gone through a situation like this? That's a goal. You want to get to the point where there is, I mean, I hate the buzzwords that people kind of make fun of and whatnot, but, but when I look at something, a phrase like conscious uncoupling, okay, if you're going to uncouple, being conscious about it for the kid's sake, for the friends, for everybody's sake, that's a good thing. So yeah, I didn't want to say you're not just disclaiming, you're actually leaving. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So look, for, for me, how did I get out of it? That was your question. And it's a really good point. I write about this in the book, by the way. Um, the, the first step for me to start healing, and it was a healing that I had to do with myself. The first step was to tell a brother. That was the first step. I've been sitting in men's circle for, wow, 12 years now. And yeah. so there's a group of us men, we sit around a fire, um, no booze, no, no tobacco, no, no pot. We sit around the fire, we pick a theme. Um, we, we talk about a meaningful theme, right? So I'd been sitting around fire with brothers and not talking about this. Right. And meanwhile, my brothers are telling their, their, you know, their deepest truth around whatever it is that they're going through as a man. And I was sitting there not sharing my deepest truth and it felt so inauthentic. And it got to the point where I was like, I have to make a choice here, you know. And one night after the fire, I said to a friend, um, very, I alluded to it. I said, man, I've got something I need to say. And he said, yeah, well, what's up, man? And I said, oh, you know, um, I, I've got problems with sex. He goes, oh, he just kind of brushed it off a little bit. He, had, he acknowledged, but he said, oh, me too, man. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. He kind of right. made light of it and I didn't go there any further, but that was the first step. It was to actually language it, to say it, to share it, to open up, to be vulnerable. Yes, you know, was the first step because it was the most horrible thing. All I wanted to do for my wife, not all I wanted, but, but deep in the core of my sense of being a man was that I wanted to please her. I wanted to be her man. I wanted to take her like she'd never been taken before. You know, I wanted to um, connect with her sexually to these, these, these incredible heights that we can go to through lovemaking. Right. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted it to be all about her. Yeah. But, But because of my, psychological racket it ended up being everything opposite to that I became completely self-consumed and self-absorbed and I couldn't be her man and I couldn't take her and I couldn't be all the things that I wanted to be and and then was the secret torture of keeping it to myself because I thought I'm the only one going through this none of my friends will understand right so the first step was to start sharing now you know I believe that talking and sharing is an important part of the healing process but at the same time Mike I don't believe that that is on its own going to heal. You need to take responsibility for your own healing. So then this all led up and then we had to break up. I, I said to my wife, um, I, we can't, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life like this. Mm-hmm. If we can't shift this, we've got to, we've got to get happy. Both of us. We need to, we need to get happy from when we decided that we were going to separate. It took us a year, over a year to, to even tell the kids we kept living in the same house. Wow knowing we were separated and then finally telling the kids and then finally moving out, et cetera. Um, and then the, the real healing for me came after a sweat lodge 
you guys know what a sweat lodge is over there, right? Here Absolutely. in Australia, people people don't know what I'm talking about. When I say a sweat lodge, they're like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> North American Indian sweat lodge. Um, Absolutely. We, we had a sweat and I had an out-of-body experience and I went back to being, I flew, flew and went back to being five years old, which was before my loss of innocence. When I was six, my dad, God rest his soul, and, and I love my dad, but my dad lost his temper and beat me up when I was six. And that, that's when I first started to think I'm not good enough. Oh, boy. Right? But no. prior to that, I was good enough. I was fine. I was innocent, age of innocence. So I went to five and I, and I had this out-of-body experience. Um, then I had a very prophetic dream. And then I realized, I woke up the next day and I realized, oh, my God, I've got this deep, deep belief that I'm not good enough. Right. And yeah. so then I manifested into my life. I would sabotage my success. I sabotaged my marriage. I sabotaged my sexual ability. I did all of these things to back up the belief that I didn't deserve happiness, success, abundance, all these things. Right. So I was like, wow, I got to change this. I started reading books on the, the plasticity of the mind and how yes. do we actually change our new Are you a Joe Dispenza guy? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that was one of the books I read <laughs> and I just went Me to too. work. Yeah. I just went to work on myself every single day, firing those neurons repetitively over and over and over and over again. I'm enough just the way I am. I'm enough just the way I am. I said it millions of times. And over the course of a year of high repetition of this changing my neurology, I started to believe my own hype and everything changed, dude. So um, that's how, there you go. That's a long answer to your question, but, but that's how I went from this dysfunction to then the healing and then uh, attracting a woman into my life. We have a stunningly conscious relationship. It's really quite astounding. Uh, every day I pinch myself to this wow. relationship and she came into my life and she thinks I'm amazing in every way. Um, and we have, you know, the sexual healing occurred and, and our lovemaking is next level, dude. It's really beautiful and tantric and connected and spiritual and wonderful. And yeah, you know, awesome. So. I, uh, well, and, and, and I, I think about the side effects that have come with the work that you have done. I don't believe had, had you not gone through this experience and process, uh, I mean, let me, let me throw it out there. Would you even know what conscious communication is if you had no, gone through that? I mean, no, no, <laughs> it's completely good things <laughs> completely. And I wouldn't be the coach that I am. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't be the speaker that I am and uh, the author and all the things that I'm doing now, because I'm like you, man, I'm so on a mission, yeah. <laughs> you know, and this mission drives me every day. And I wouldn't have the, I wouldn't be me to be able to do what I'm doing now if I hadn't gone through everything I've gone through. So absolutely no regrets. Uh, and anything I can do to help anyone who's stuck, you know, in, in yep. struggle, if, yep. if they want it. I'm certainly not an evangelist. I ain't going, to, I'm not telling anyone what to do if they don't want to know. But right. if someone says to me, Hey, Jim, I'm really curious. I'm, I'll talk for hours about it. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, you're already helping people who are, who are hearing this right now. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that, uh, that our paths have connected because I don't believe it's going to be the last time. Um, you know, I want to move to the, to the communication side of, of things because it is, it is, uh, the idea of conscious communication, the art of conscious communication, that's the name of the book and program. You've got a mastermind group or a masterclass uh, to help do this with leaders uh, that is coming out. A lot of exciting things, the, 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 the TED Talk, all the things that you do around this idea. Let's, uh, let's go right to base camp. What is conscious communication to you? In its most simple form, being more conscious of something is being more aware of it. 
right? So the more conscious we are of anything, the more aware we are of it. And, and communication really is, uh, underpins our ability as a species to do anything, right? Whether it's take an idea and manifest it into reality. Einstein's brilliant understandings of the mechanics of the universe would have meant nothing if he couldn't communicate them. Right. Wouldn't have meant anything. Um, you know, so to take an idea and manifest it into reality, it 100% needs communication. For us to solve problems, you know, it, we've got to do this through the, our ability to communicate. And, and, you know, having coached thousands of thousands of hours over the last 15 years, for me, the, the most common sticking point or the most common place where we trip over whether it's in a relationship between two people or whether it's in the, the relationship between a leader and a team or whether it's interdepartmentally within an organization, we trip mm -hmm. over in miscommunication. Yes. You know, yes. what's and, the and what, reason for that? Why do, why do we do that? Is it awareness? I, I, yeah. Look, I, I think the reason for it is because we are so completely, um, and unaware, we're not even aware of this, but we're so completely caught up and driven by our ego, our sense of identity. Yeah. You know, and necessarily, we, we have to have an ego. It's not a bad thing. It's a part of being human. And arguably, it, it evolved with us as a species to, to protect us and keep us here, right? Yes. So we need to have a sense of identity. I get that. But when we're unaware of our sense of identity, which is our ego, when we're unaware of it, it's driving the bus. Right. It's reacting, it's queuing up, you know, someone's saying something. And if you disagree, you're, you can't wait to, and you might even speak over the top of someone to, to prove them wrong and prove yourself right. That's all ego. You know, this, the watching people shouting at each other now, you know, like even with this incident with the, you know, the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident, yep. which is what it is. But you and I were talking about this before. It's just fascinating that people are just shouting at each other and this is what's right. And this is what's right. And this is, it's like, wow, that's all ego. That's all identity. That's all my way or the highway. Yes. And that's, you know, and quite often that's where we come unstuck, you know? And so I think being conscious in communication, being more aware of the communication itself. So communication is about us coming together. It's about creating a common understanding of something. It doesn't mean you have to agree, but it means that we can come to a common understanding. Yes. Right. Communication is a sharing. So if we're aware of the communication itself, if we're serving the greater good of the communication, then it means that we're putting ourselves a little bit to the side and, and serving what's good for the greater good. So we're here now and I'm listening to you say, and you've got something that you want me to understand. It's going to serve for me to put my own opinion to the side for a little bit and really seek to understand, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I think about what you're saying and, and, and I think about how, when life starts going and the plates are spinning and we're moving from one thing to the other, to the other, and how easy it is to slip away from what you're from, from, from the idea of that awareness of, 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 of taking a second of taking that moment to just breathe, to let something sink in to our society, even through a pandemic. It's funny, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I found that, that there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, oh, slowing down. This is what the world needs. I remember hearing that. But but it's funny how it almost moved that even though we weren't busy outside of our houses, depending on the region that we're from, um, but we still were we still got to that place where all those plates were spinning and that's all we were focused on. And the lack of of, of awareness. Yeah. Um, 
like what what will it take for a shift to happen? Is it one person at a time, you know, kind of, kind of being a beacon of light when it comes to these things? Is there a, is there a, a, an experience that can happen, uh, you know, corporately or with, with all of us as a group? What, what, what are some ways that we can, we can help be agents for change for this? Yeah. By having conversations like this. Yeah. Um, super, super important, more important than you would even, um, pay credit to people might think, Oh, you're just having a conversation. It's conversations that change that create change in a functional way. It's either conversation, it's either good, solid conversations or violence, one or the other. Oh. Um, and I'm a pacifist, so I'm not going to do the violence thing, right? I'm a peace but, uh, good, guy too. Yeah. Good conversations. But in terms of on a macro level, what creates change pain, pain creates change, you know, and the pain of a pandemic, a global pandemic. And I, you know, as much as mainstream media and news has us focus on um, all the negatives and everything that's going wrong and how terrible the world is, because that's what sells, right? And mm-hmm. and I haven't watched or consumed mainstream news for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still here <laughs> and I still know what's going on. Yep. Um, but mainstream news will have us focus on that and have us believe the world's a terrible place. It's actually not. And Dude, there are lots of positive people like you and your partner doing this good work. And the more we connect and have conversations, the more that we kind of draw the lines between these good, solid movements. And there is change afoot. There are people creating change. You know, I work, most of my bread and butter work is coaching leaders in government departments and in organizations and in businesses. Change is happening. You know, people are hungry for it. People want it. You know, so it's, we, we just got to keep on, right? Keep on. And as an individual, what can you do? Work on yourself. Yeah. You know, meditate. Yes. Teach yourself to pause. Teach yourself to let go of your re- reactionary de- opinion on things. You know, when you're scrolling through social media and you see someone say something and you have a reaction to that, notice that reaction. Just put the phone down for a second, stop scrolling and just sit. And notice your mind racing to, to, to defend this idea that you have about the way you think things should, but just notice it and go, huh, that's interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? That I'm so vehemently opinionated already. Yes. Teach, teach yourself to pause. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. Are you a power of now guy? Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely, okay. man. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You, you know, uh, I'm reminded of that immediately. I'm reminded of two things as you're, as you're talking about this, the activation, uh, and then of course, solving of that activation. And, and, and I love the idea that our brain, just think about your hand, right? Your hand yeah. is part of you, but if you chop your hand off, you're still here, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and how he, he kind of marries the idea that your brain is something very similar to that. And, yeah. and, and you can separate yourself out and kind of get curious about your brain and your thinking patterns. You know, the idea yeah. of, of the, uh, of getting activated, holy shit. Uh, yeah. somebody just said something about Will Smith was, a, was, a, was a good one. You know, um, um yeah. it happened to me yesterday. Uh, somebody said, what a display of toxic masculinity and blah, 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 blah. Like they just, yeah. they just fucking railed against him. And then they, yeah, just, yeah, oh. yeah. it's like, they put it in a little box and said, okay, we're done. Now you're, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> And, and, and I'm like, oh, okay. So that's the conversation, is it? And, and, uh, um, and, and I was sitting there going, okay. And, and I did exactly that. I moved myself out and I started analyzing it. And yeah. it's like, one of the things that I came up with is I'm afraid to respond, which is, yeah. and, and, and that's actually what I ended up telling her. I actually said to her, 
I'm afraid. Like I, I didn't take yeah. it on. It was off social media. We went to direct message yeah. and I said, yeah. and she's someone that I know and trust and respect a great deal. Yeah, and, sure. And so I said, you know, um, I am afraid. I'm actually yeah. scared to respond <laughs> anything that disagrees with anything that you're saying here. Yeah. And yeah. we and we talked about it. we unpacked it and we went down this this path. And I was analyzing that fear. I was curious about yeah. that. Um, yeah. We can play with this and we can get curious about 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 stuff. Um, yeah. when we, and again, it's a different type of awareness, but we just got to be, we just got to wake up. We got to be like a little groundhog that pops his head out. Yeah. And go, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I'm acting. Yeah. 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 That you're right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's so true. And then it's a practice, right? You don't kind of, yeah. the groundhog doesn't just kind of pop his head up once and go, Oh, there's the big wide world. And then go back down again and forget, you know, we need, we need to create habitual perspectives and habitual practices that, that help us do this because, you know, we slip into um, eyes closed organically and naturally. It's what we do. We go into, we go into, you know, operational mode and the subconscious is driving most of what we do. Um, and that's fine. That's okay. That's functional. You know, I'm walking to the car. I'm not conscious of every single thing, every single time I'm moving through every single moment. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. You know, I think being unconscious is functional as well. We've got to cruise around and get shit done. Right. Yes. I just think that there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of space for us to teach ourselves to be more present, more conscious, more aware, more often. You know, yes. and it's it's super functional in communication. And that's what I'm talking about in the book. And there are practices, you know, I meditate every every morning. It's become habitual for me. I've integrated mindfulness into my day to day. You know, there's habit stacking. James Clear in that book, Atomic Habits, talks about it mm -hmm. very simply. You want to create a new habit, link it to an existing habit. So, for example, brushing your teeth put a sticky note next to your toothbrush on the mirror in the bathroom that says pause or mindful mindfully. Right. Yep. And then what happens is that every time you pick up your toothbrush, you're creating a neural association to take a pause and be mindful. Now I don't have a sticky note next to my toothbrush. Every time I pick up my toothbrush, I go into a mindfulness integrated mindfulness practice. Right. It's yeah. the same with my coffee machine. I had one next to my coffee machine. Every time I open my beans to go and grind my beans and make my coffee, which is a little ritual I love in the morning. Every time I do that now, I don't have the sticky note, but every time that lid comes off those beans, pause and continue, right? So we can start to create habitual practices that incentivize us being more aware, more conscious, more often. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about two little things there. The first one is I want to reinforce what you just said. Now, number one, it's very easy it just picked four things that you do constantly, uh, you know, put a little sticky note there, but let's take it for a second and say, what are we reminding ourselves to do? Uh huh. And, and the reality is what I just did there is actually the, the better part. Yeah. It's great that we can take our habits and, and, and do that, but just how easy is it to take a second to yeah. take two or three deep breaths. The, yeah. the habit stacking is amazing. And, and for our male logical minds, you know, that like to compartmentalize and all that stuff, that's a great yeah. way of learning how to do it. But but the, what are we teaching ourselves how to do? It's just taking a pause. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the power of the pause. That's, oh, the, that's the thing right there dude, that allows us just, to get into that place. Yeah. And it's so fucking easy. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody can Man, do it. it. Is, it is one of these deceptively simple, <laughs> yeah, powerful, powerful 
habits to create the pause moment. I'm so glad you brought it up, dude. I, it's, I bang on about the pause moment. I first heard about this in 2014. I was at the Global Mindful Leader Forum and there were awesome leaders from the World Bank and from Wall Street and from politicians, you know, really successful leaders. And the whole forum was about mindfulness Mm -hmm. and the power of mindfulness. And this keynote speaker got up on the stage. He He was quite short of stature, unassuming, quite humble, but he just emanated this beautiful wise energy right and he walked up onto the stage and the whole auditorium just you could hear a pin drop and he was projected up on this big massive screen behind him and he came up on the stage and it was just the right timing you know you hear these wise words um but if it's not the right timing, you go oh yeah that's kind of wise but you don't do anything with it and then sometimes it's just the right timing to hear something and this guy got up on stage and there were two things that he said that really stuck with me one of them was He said, know the work. He was talking about meditation. He said, know the work. But then he said, do the work. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me because at the time I'd just started my coaching practice and I was prescribing meditation to my clients, but I wasn't doing it regularly. I was doing it a bit here and there. And that's when I went, oh shit, man, I've to have authenticity. I've got to do the work. But the second thing he said was pause often. That's all he said, pause often. And I went, wow, what does that mean? And I took that and I created what I call pause moments. And so a pause moment is very simply stop what you're doing, pause, take a breath and just notice what you can notice in that moment. Hmm. Just notice, notice your heart rate, notice your breathing, notice any sensations, just what can you notice and then continue. Now, this only takes three to five seconds. Right. Yes. So it's not like oh, I've got to dedicate an extra half an hour to meditating and I don't have time to do that. My life's too, it's no, it's three <laughs> to five seconds. Right. And so I find really helpful times to pause is in between tasks. So I've just finished an email. I'm about to go and put the kettle on pause. When I'm physically going somewhere, I'm walking to the car halfway to the car stop pause, especially when I'm running late. I oh, yeah. personally don't like being late. It's a value of mine. I don't mind if you're late to a meeting with me, but I don't like being late to the meeting. Yep. So if I'm running late and I'm racing these days, I'm running late to a Zoom meeting, right? So I'm running late. <laughs> I'm just about to open my laptop. Pause. Take a breath. Open the laptop. Now I'm only three seconds later than I would have been otherwise, but I'm showing up in a different state. And these pause moments as you become... Um, as they become familiar for you, they're a little micro recalibration back to your place of equanimity, back to your calm centeredness like that. Yeah. And you can go from being flustered to calm. You can go from being disappointed or frustrated or angry even yep. to calm like that. Yep. This is, this is a superpower, dude. You're the driver of your own physiological bus now, right? You're not yes. a victim to how you've reacted to something that someone said, and now you're pissed off. And now it's going to be one of those days. And when it rains, it pours and the whole thing goes. So no, 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 no. You're not a victim to that anymore. You're like, yep. no, no, I have something to say about my physiological state of being in this moment, which then dictates the quality of what I'm doing, which then dictates my results. Right. So yes. I think it's very understated, man, to come back to it. Pause moments is massive. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's taking time to, to stop and, and, and realize um, that you are driving. 
And, yeah. and, 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 and as opposed to, you know, there's, there's when you're present driving and you're just auto, auto, autonomically driving, you yeah. know, those are two very different things. Yeah. Um, I think about, you know, the errand that I ran this morning that I was, I was rushed for and all that. And I can't think of, uh, you know, anything, any details on that trip, who crossed the street in front of yeah. me or, or, or yeah. whatever. But yeah. when I'm actually present and driving, I can remember the entire thing. And those are two uh -huh. completely different states of mind. Yeah, you, you you know, this is a it's, it's not just about literally driving. It's about you take a pause and then you realize, oh, OK, you are driving and 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 you can handle when your spouse is coming down on you and maybe they're activated and you're whatever. You can handle that. You are driving. You don't have to uh, up the ante uh, yeah. at work, any of this stuff. You can you can you can let that frustration all just melt away. Yeah. Uh, whatever frustration it is, you can yeah. do that. And pausing, yeah. like you say, is a superpower. Yeah. And it is, I think pausing is an, an essential step in a process to um, remember that your ego was driving and your ego is def defensive and your ego is justifying its behavior and judging and, and trying to, you know, um, reaffirm its sense of who it thinks it is and its ideas and its ways and my way kind of thing. Yep. So creating the habit of pausing gives you a moment to go, oh, ego, look at you go. You're desperate. <laughs> you're desperate right now, but we're safe. There's no lion coming to eat us. Yes. We're not actually in danger right now. Yes. Your, 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 your wife just asked you why you haven't cleaned the kitchen. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And you were there going, yeah, well, and you know, I had to get, why I didn't clean the kitchen. And my ego is defending like it's life and death. Yeah. And it's like, if you can just create that moment when, when your wife has said, oh, hey, honey, I'm, why haven't you cleaned the kitchen? If you can just create that moment to go, pause and listen to your ego going, tell her why, blah, blah, blah. And just go, <laughs> ego, look at you go, brother. We're yep. safe. No lion coming to eat us right now. Just take a breath, notice, and now talk about why you haven't done the kitchen yet. But you just don't need that edge of defensiveness, you know. Yeah, I, I I'm grateful how much. And I mean, we didn't talk about this beforehand uh, intentionally because if we would have, we wouldn't have been able to replicate it. And, and I yeah. even talked about that the moment we got on here. It was like, okay, very known pre-interview. Um, yeah. So I didn't know you were going to talk about the ego today, and I'm glad you did because I think that the ego gets a bad rap. I think that the ego uh, is misunderstood by a lot of people. I think that mm. there are some people who think that the goal should be to kill the ego, <laughs> yeah, uh, to, to get good, rid of it entirely. Good luck entirely. with that. And, and that's, good luck not, with that. that's not it. That's <laughs> no, not man. it, right? Yeah, good luck. You, you try and kill the ego, you, you, good luck. You yeah. take the, the ego will take the gloves off and then you're really going to have a, a disturbing inner dialogue going on between you and your ego, which is all a part of you anyway. Right. Sure. I, look, I, I, my, my way of, um, of creating some functionality around identity and ego, there's a few different things that I do, but one of them is that when I have a conversation in my head with my ego, which might sound crazy, but it's, it's, it just is what it is. I no. go there with love. I go there with love. You know, when I notice my ego, because our ego wants to justify, it wants to judge, it's desperate to be right. You know, yeah. that, that part of you that goes, I told you so. You said it was on the 15th of November. I told you it was on the 13th, right? That need to yep. be right. Yep. You know, it, it hates looking stupid, really hates it. All of these things, these ego things. Um, when I notice my ego driving, I just call it out with love. Oh, ego, look at you go. Bless your cotton socks. 
trying to keep us safe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like you're petting I, a lion. I, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're petting a lion. Yeah, oh, calming it down. You know? Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad you're a part of me, and I know you've got my best interests at heart. It's okay. But and, and and you can carry on even if you want ego as a voice in my head justifying our behavior. Carry on. I'm not even going to try and stop you, but I've got your number. Mm. Right? I'm just shining a light on it. And it dissipates. It goes, rah, 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 rah. oh. <laughs> da, 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 da. And then I can pause and then I can respond rather than react. Right. Yeah. So this is one of these things with the ego is just to have some awareness around it. Um I oh, I hate that 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 this goes so quickly i love that it goes so quickly because it means we're in the flow and the street yeah all that i i before we before we sign off we got to talk a little bit about your ted talk i'm fascinated by it um you know obviously you take articulate i think that i'm articulate sometimes and then i watch your ted talk and it's like i got a long way to go it was literally i i watched your ted talk and we're talking 10 minutes folks uh jem fuller ted talk that's all you got to google you will find him and and you will have 10 minutes that are extremely worth uh much more than the time that they take to you um i want to talk about that because you articulated i can only imagine the preparation that must have been done um for that because it was every bit as uh, i use the word infotastic when somebody can actually teach me something and do it in a way that compels me uh, i love it you were infotastic but you were also poetic the the vocabulary the alliteration and the delivery of all of those things in one were phenomenal um, how long did it take you to prep that talk and how special was that talk compared to uh, a, a coaching session that, 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 that you do? I mean, was it, was it weeks of rehearsal? Like you were rehearsing, uh, you know, the Bard or, you know, a Shakespearean yeah. experience. I, yeah, I wrote it as a, as a spoken word. So I wrote it as a performance piece. Um, yep. I've been, I've been writing poetry and songs since I was 15 and okay. I'm 50. So I love the expression through word and song. So I wrote it as a, as a performance piece, as a spoken word, and then I learned it verbatim. And it, that took me um, maybe a month before shooting it of just reading it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and the timing is important to me. You know, I, I did study Shakespeare when I was at drama school and okay. pentameter is important. Timing is important. Pauses are important. So it was all very intentional. Um, and, and then I hope that it didn't come across too intentional as well. I mean, it is what it is. It's there, right? But I, we shot it in uh, lockdown. Yep. And where I, where I am in Australia, um, like some of the regions in Canada, we've had the longest lockdown periods globally. Yep. I mean, in, in, in Victoria, Australia, we were locked down for most of two years. Uh, so I couldn't have an audience, um, but it was an opportunity that my book publisher had had presented for me to do a TEDx talk. And I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a big opportunity. And I noticed some people doing their TEDx talks in lockdown and they would just get a webcam in their office and do a green screen TED sign. And that's what they did. I didn't want to do that. I thought this might be the only chance I get to do a TEDx talk. <laughs> so I'm going to invest. I went and had that sign made professionally. I hired a theater. I got hired a film crew. I did it as best I could. I rehearsed it. I learned it. I performed it. So I'm man, it, it means the world to me that you really appreciated it because um, I invested a lot of time, energy and money into it. So I'm, I'm really glad that you 
appreciated it. And obviously I'm passionate about the messages in there. And, you know, I'm a father of teenage boys. My older boy just turned 18 last week and my other boy will be turning 16 soon. And I'm watching these young boys become men. And, and I, I believe as men and parents and women, all of us, we have a, a big responsibility to do what we can to help create a better generation. You know, this is evolution, right? We should be looking to how we can improve, you know, and I'm a massive, massive champion, massive champion of anybody who is fighting the fight to have more women in decision-making roles, because we need that globally. We need more women in decision-making roles, but with that, there's no point in putting women into decision-making roles if the only way they can succeed in those roles is to switch on their masculine and play this masculine game. We need to change the game. We need to change the game. So there needs to be two things going on. We need to be empowering and creating opportunities for women to um, have an equal share of running the world. We we need it. But accessing their feminine wisdom, their feminine, feminine intuition, their feminine power, and men. We need to show men that they've got access to feminine energy as well, feminine intuition, feminine human centricness, this this kind of more global nurturing, caring. Can we just look after each other while we do this? Why do we have to be horrible to each other to be successful? We don't. That's an old idea. We don't. We can actually be successful being considerate and kind to each other at the same time. Imagine that, right? Wow. Dude, um, okay, I swear to God, everybody, we didn't talk about this beforehand in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm going to talk about he changed it right now a little bit because I, I, we get this. My wife is building, I mean, don't get me wrong. She's got a team of people uh, mo- who are mostly men, but there's a lot of women who are involved in, in, in he changed it. My wife is the founder of he changed it, and and she gets it. Why the fuck is a woman building a men's mental health uh, a men's mental wellness app. And, and, and she answers it the same way. Cause she's a fucking pro and, and, and it's, it's, it's old thinking that says that, and she kills it with kindness and love, uh, but yeah. strength as well. Um, yeah. I'm a mother and I don't enjoy the world that my boys are inheriting. Yeah. And, and, and talk about that feminine energy, talk about father and mother right now. Men yeah. need a mother. Um, yeah. and, 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 and you look at me too and cancel culture and all these things and, and shame uh, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and the lack of, of vulnerability, the lack of talking about it, all mm. of those things. Uh, this mm. entire platform is based from a mother who doesn't like the world her boys are inheriting. Yeah. And, 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 and we've, she's even not accepted investment money. We're still bootstrapping this thing. It's a startup that's being yeah. run out of our house because yeah. she won't even accept investment money from people who don't have the vision of the mission yeah. paramount. Yes. Yeah. Profit will come. All these things will come. <laughs> Big things will come from it. It's a tech company. Of course yeah. they will, yeah. but nothing when it comes to that side of the business will supersede the mission yeah. of creating a world that yep. she can be okay to rest her final rest that her boys are going to be all right. And, yeah. and, and you saying that, Oh my God, it just, I cannot wait to have candy watch this conversation that we do today, because that needs to be a message that more people need to talk about. And, and yeah. I, uh, I, I can't believe you just said that. We need to, <laughs> we need to work a- together. We need to work together as humans yes. right, to improve this situation. This division thing doesn't work, you know, and, and it's interesting 
that your wife is setting this up. You know, I, I ran a woman's retreat in Bali in Indonesia for seven years before COVID came and shut that down. And I will run it again. And I was a man facilitating and holding space yes. for awesome women to come on retreat. Um, and, and it just wasn't even an issue for me. I didn't even think about it. Someone had this idea and I just went, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll go do it. You know, yeah. a female client of mine said, could you run your Himalaya retreat instead of running it in the mountains? Could you run it in a five-star resort in Bali? And I went, yeah, sure. So I just started doing that. Um, and, it, and it was a non-issue, but it was beautiful. And these, the, all of the clients that have come over the years on this retreat would come up to me and say, thank you. You held space so beautifully for us to be vulnerable and powerful and, and, and to access our inner wisdom and, uh, and sensibility, our intuition and how we want to lead. Yes. Right. So, and so, yeah, absolutely. It makes complete sense to me that your wife is driving this mission to make the world a better place for men. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and there's, you know, there's stuff coming down the pipe too. I mean, she's, she's also a smart business lady too. She's got, you know, she changed it as sitting there. We changed it as sitting there. Yeah, they right. changed it as sitting there. And that's yeah, all yeah, yeah. part of the, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the awesome. dire situation. And, and I mean, uh, it, it is dire, you know, the world health organization calls men mental wellness, a silent crisis. It, it, oh, it, dude, three, three or four suicides are middle-aged men. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And, and 90 something percent of the world's violence is from men. Yes. Right? Because yes. they're not, then, you know, if you, if you are operating beautifully internally, if you are healthy, if you are happy, if your sense of well-being is good, you're not violent. We only, are, we only, we only act out violently when we're not happy about yes. something. Only hurt yes. people hurt. We need to help heal the hurt. <laughs> Do yes. you know what I mean? And so, oh, look, I'm so glad you guys are there doing this thing, man. You've got a champion over here in Australia. I'm going to be singing your praises and, oh. and spreading the word as much as I can about you guys. Uh, Jim, I, I appreciate that. And again, I've, I've had so many guests on this podcast where I just note them and, and note what it is that they're doing, that when this thing blows up, um, the partnerships that will happen as soon as, as soon as some of the knuckleball stuff gets out of the, gets out of the yeah. way, um, the, the, the partnerships, uh, that will happen and that will supercharge, uh, yeah. other folks's message. Yours is one of those. You are one of those people, Jem. Like I am so grateful that, uh, that we had this conversation and are talking about this today, uh, for folks who appreciate where you're coming from, uh, they like your vibe. Um, what's the best way for somebody to follow you other than, uh, you know, obviously you can go to gemfuller.com. You can check out, um, you know, there, there, there's uh, all of the resources that you have, the courses, things like that. Uh, the Ted talk is there. If somebody wants to interact with you, wants to do one-on-one coaching sessions with you, things like that, yeah. what's the best way to get you? Just DM me through any of those platforms. I'm Gem Fuller everywhere. So Gem Fuller on Insta and LinkedIn and Facebook and blah, blah, blah. I don't do Twitter. I, whatever. Don't try and talk to me through, through Twitter. Yeah. But email me, gem at gemfuller.com. Good old-fashioned email. You can um, DM me through Insta or, or Facebook and I'll get it. It's just Gem Fuller. But please reach out. Um, like you said, Mike, we're putting together a mastermind course for leaders and communication. And that's going to be really, really awesome. I love working with leaders because leaders have a ripple effect. So if we help a leader be more conscious uh, and better as a leader, then the positive ripple effect goes, goes beautifully. So reach out to me, gem at gemfuller.com, shoot me an email or DM me through Instagram and, and we'll get in touch. I'm still very accessible and I, and I pride myself on being able to get back to people. So you will get a message back from me. 
um, and or, or my business manager, but it'll probably be me. She'll forward it to me and say, hey, Jem, this person's trying to get in touch with you yeah. and I'll reach out. So let's let's start it. And I believe too, Mike, that um, it is through connection and it is through collaboration that we create multiplying situations. So one plus one equals way more than two. Yes. And, um, and, and together, if we keep doing this, we, we can actually create positive change. Are you still there, buddy? You've frozen on my end. Oh my gosh, right at the very end. Buddy, are you there? Oh man. Okay, well, we're still recording on our end. So what I'm gonna do is I'm going to finish up with that sentence right there and say, okay, uh, I couldn't agree more. We can definitely, definitely create positive change. We can do it on a worldwide scale. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to have had you here, Jem. Jem at jemfuller.com. I'm so grateful for this podcast today um, and everything that, uh, that Jem is doing in the world. I'm just this is why we do what we do. Oh, there. Are you back, Jim? I'm back, man. Okay. I don't know what happened. Uh, I think it was my end. Was Dude, it? I, I, okay. No, no, no. That's can great. We, can that's we, we can edit, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, uh, we can, we can totally edit this and, 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 and we will. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I could not agree more with what you're saying. The multiplication that can happen, we can change the world. And, and anybody who tells us that we can't change the whole fucking world yeah. uh, and be a beacon for light, they aren't thinking big enough and they also aren't taking into consideration that there are many, many factors that have changed the world in the past. Why can't it be this force for good, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Man, just quickly, yeah. um, I know that we're running out of time, but no, um, another great book that I've just read is Johan Hari's book, Stolen Focus. Highly recommend this book. He talks about change and that sometimes change seems insurmountable, right? Yes. So for example, uh, lead, lead was being used in our pencils and in our petrol and in our fuel and in our gasoline and lead was everywhere and it was terrible for us, yes. killing us, you know, it was one woman in the UK, one woman in the 80s. Who, who started spearheading this campaign for us to take lead out of our paint and for us to take lead out of our pencils and our petrol. This one woman shouted so loudly and created a movement and she created change. We don't put lead in our paint anymore or our petrol, right? Yes. It's the same with the, with the women's movement. Before a handful of women stood up and went, no, right? It was, it was and still is to a large degree, but it's, things are getting better, but it was very recently. Yes. A male dominated world, completely male dominated. Everything in every structure was male dominated, right? So yes. it would have been very easy for people to go, oh, we can't change that, right? But a handful of women went, we're going to give it a red hot crack. Yeah. And that's what creates the change, right? So this idea now that what you're saying, oh, we can't make the world a better place, it's bullshit. We actually can. So stand up, get up, share this podcast, talk about it read the book, get involved. You know, the more of us that get involved and create a groundswell, we will make the change. Uh, there is no better 
place to end this than there. Uh, I'm sad that we're ending it right now, but it's like the Cowboys say, they don't say goodbye to each other. They say, see you later. Uh, that's what you and I are going to do. We are brothers from another mother. Jem, yeah. I cannot thank you enough for, for starting your day with us today. Um, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for all of us. Thank you so much for being on HeCast today, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mike. You're uh, you're a legend and I'm really glad I met you. Oh my man. I I'm right back at you. Um, they go quick. Every single time we do one of these things, they go so fucking quick. Uh, but I'm very grateful for it. I'm grateful for everybody who has reached out and talked about how this has been such a positive experience uh, for them and they're changing their lives. And, and, and it just encourages us to no end. Um, you know, we're taking things and we're, we're, we're building them. And soon there's going to be the magnifying glass, the megaphone, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use uh, on what he changed it is building. And it is going to be once again, please. So the he changed it overlords. Don't get too mad at me. Please subscribe, please share. And, uh, if you haven't downloaded the app, what the heck are you waiting for? Jump on in. That is another episode of he cast the official podcast of he changed it. My name is Mike Chisholm. Go change something.